Although, I've seen some scripts I know the words weren't spelled right. There was hardly any commas in it at all. So I don't think that's too important. Hey, you want to get on the train here, or you want to ruin another take, huh? It's too cerebral. We're trying to make a movie here, not a film. Man, I don't drop character till I've done a DVD commentary. You want to eat the writer? Be my guest. That will leave you to explain how else your character is supposed to get to Bremen. Welcome back to another episode of the In the Mouth of Darkness Chatcast. Joining me today is Billy Das, the indie dork. What's up, Billy? Uh, you know, man, I got some water in me, some aspirins. I'm feeling pretty solid. You're feeling better than last week? A <laughs> little bit. Okay, good, good. So am I, so am I. I am Brad Gullickson, the Mouth Dork, and we are bringing you yet again another cool conversation from the Chattanooga Film Festival that we had behind the scenes of the Chattanooga Theater Center. Um, Rob Grant, director of Harpoon. Yeah. Man, this, I, you know... When you go to a film festival, I think the most common question you get asked is, you know, what have you seen? What have you liked so far? And every conversation for me was Harpoon. You guys got to make sure that you go and see this movie. For sure. For sure. Now, to be fair, following that conversation was another conversation about the Crispin Glover live performance. Uh, yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> and you should go back and listen to our first episode in this Chattanooga series where we talked to Crispin Glover before that show. A really interesting conversation. It was. And he took over a lot of the, uh, the, the convo at Chattanooga as well. He did. But we are here for Rob Grant. We are champions of Harpoon. Hell yeah. I'm so excited to talk to this guy. You should know that right before this conversation is when we had our chat with Dave Lawson, yes. uh, producer extraordinaire, uh, you know, one of the founders of Rustic Films. And in that conversation, he brought a giant bottle of Chattanooga whiskey with him. And look, you guys, all right, it, this is part of the Chattanooga Film Festival, okay? They are sponsored by Chattanooga Whiskey. So when he showed up with that... You have to partake. It was only polite to engage in that. Yeah, but Billy, why did you then go to the bar and get a, this giant bottle of vodka? Why you got to tell stories on me, Brad? <laughs> <laughs> okay, Billy, you just wanted to enjoy enjoy our experience as well with the whiskey. Uh, so there you go. That gives you a little context. I don't think we're that far off the rails in this conversation, but Dave Lawson did come to us after this chat to say oh, man, you're exclusively, say that? yes, that Rob ratted us out to Dave as being... Totally hammered. Uh, yeah. Okay. But I think we held our own. I think that we were pros, but you know, you be the judge. Yeah, you be the judge. <laughs> so we will be judged. Yes. Let's get into this conversation. And here we are at the Chattanooga Film Festival once again, behind the scenes in uh, Liza Minnelli's dressing room from Cabaret. Uh, <laughs> we're talking to uh, Harpoon filmmaker Rob Grant. Rob, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much for having me. Really appreciate it. It is our pleasure. Man, we watched your film, and we didn't watch it in the ideal scenario. We watched it as a screener link. Sometimes that's not the best way to watch a movie. Uh, Alfonso Cuaron, uh, you know, maybe he likes it with Roma. Why am I shit-talking Cuaron? I don't know. That's a good <laughs> that's way a to start. Right? That's a good way to start. But, so Alfonso Cuaron, yeah, yeah. one reason why he's not but right. But here's the thing. Harpoon <laughs> grabbed immediately. Yeah, it did, dude. Funny as hell, super tense, super uncomfortable at times. Uh, claustrophobic. You're shooting on water. Why would you do that? Yeah. Um, my producer, Mike Peterson, when I pitched him the idea, he said, roll with that because 
especially in the indie world, you know, there's the claustrophobic house movie, the claustrophobic, there's like all, a forest movie, all that isolated forest movie, but he's like, we haven't really seen a lot of the indies do a, the isolated water one. I mean, there's like dead calm, but that's not an indie. It's, yeah. it's expensive yep. to shoot on a boat. Hugely. I live in Vancouver, BC, and I thought that I could write this to shoot on my buddy's boat if no one gave us money to do it. And so that was the plan. And then it just so happened that Mike was able to find us some funding and then it turned into what it is. And that's kind of, I feel, the interesting part for me was like, you know, it's a thriller, but it's gorgeous. Right? It just felt it felt right to, for that setting to just try and go against all the things that it visually represented. And so was it the setting that was the first inspiration for the film? The first inspiration was probably my first... A long-term ex-girlfriend that I found out cheated on me. (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense given the movie. Given the movie. And I've kind of been dealing with that ever since. Uh Um, No, it's, but uh, I don't know. There's something about, it seems like when I look back on my own stuff, it's all about friendship and betrayal. And I feel like maybe that's just something that I'm either constantly wrestling with or I constantly like the idea that we can all relate to that. I'm not quite sure. Uh, <laughs> so what's interesting to me about the film is, you know, it's three people on a boat. There's an inciting conflict that kicks everything off. Uh, but at no point does it feel like you're targeting one individual as the bad guy, for lack of a better uh, words. Uh, I feel like everybody gets their due and everybody gets their... Um, you know, chastising as well. Absolutely. Um, was was that always your intent, like point of view wise? Were you always looking to, at some point, take that per- that character's mindset, or or did that evolve? Um, I mean, I'll go back further. It's like Seinfeld's my favorite television show of all time. This is awesome. I love this. Uh, and then. My sales team likes to say that the movie is uh, Polanski's Knife in the Water by way of Seinfeld characters. And I'm like, I'll take that. Put that on the poster if you haven't done it already. And I'll take that. I was like, I'll take that. Um, But so the Seinfeld characters was the start. It's like, okay, I want to see selfish people have to survive because I always think, you know, if I get into one of those scenarios, am I actually going to actively care about the other people I'm around or am I just going to be like, save my own ass? And so I wrestle with those themes a lot. And uh, I just decided that... The movie, the movie's a triangle. There's something about the law, law of thirds, and it just felt like for the movie to have correct balance, everyone needed to have their good moments and their bad moments, and they all needed to get what I'd, I... Regardless of what they do, I feel like their outcome was almost predetermined. I, I think the, <laughs> the way all of their own individual, like, fucked upness is yeah. revealed through the course of the movie yeah. was, like, just the whole time I was like, oh, okay, no, I get what's going on now. Yeah. And then you get a little twist of what's going on. You're like, oh, shit, okay, yeah. this is going... I love it. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough because, like, Linklater, another one of my favorites, and a lot of the plot comes through dialogue in his yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you're stuck in a boat, you can't help but do that. So I just had to make sure that there was enough intriguing events. I also am a big believer. It's like no one actually thinks they're the villain. Right? Yeah. So all of these people in one way or another can justify their their bad behavior. And I feel like that's the same way in real life. Everyone's like, why did you do that? I was like, oh, I have a reason for it. And, well, <laughs> and then a lot of the comedy of the film, not to say that the film's a comedy, but yeah. it, it comes from those justifications and yeah. exposing them. Absolutely. <laughs> Actually, I'm curious, how would you uh, how would you describe the movie? Is, is, is it a comedy? Is it a thriller? 
That's a tough one. I find moments of it funny, uh, but I guess I'm, I would have to use the dreaded word that no one's supposed to use as dramedy. Oh, no. I know. Apparently, that's a really bad one. I'm not <laughs> sure why. But that's, I mean, that's, it's funny to, it was funny to me in the same way Little Miss Sunshine was funny in its oh, same yeah, moments. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it's like they're dealing with a gay suicidal uh, man, and it's, but they, they're finding the comedy in that. It's just like that's kind of the, there's something to me about the dark humor. My family's very grim. It's the Irish Italian in us. <laughs> um, now, inspiration wise, you know, Knife on the Water by way of Seinfeld, uh, when you're told to lean into the, you know, the claustrophobia and the ocean setting, uh, are you pulling from cinematic references? Are, are you looking what not to do, what you definitely want to do? Uh, what's your process for getting that done once you've made that choice? Gee, that's a deep dive right there. Um, it always just starts with something I'm trying to explore in my own personal, I don't know what the heck it is, but it's like I'm always dealing with the events that I'm trying to work through in my head. It's my own personal therapy. And I don't start referencing outside movies until I get way past that into the script stage. And people are like, oh, what is it going to look like? And I'm like, shit, now i got to actually t- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell yeah, people yeah, what yeah. I've been thinking about in my head. And it's usually never what it ends up being like in the editing room. So I think at first, yeah, like Dead Calm was probably in the reference. And uh, I think Little Miss Sunshine actually was in the reference too. But then, you know, you'd spend a year editing the movie and putting it together. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, it doesn't feel anything like either of those. Well, th- <laughs> that was my takeaway watching it is, you know, I think about, you know, Knife in the Water. I think about Dead Calm. Uh, but I could not see obvious visual cues yeah. in this movie, which was surprising because you watch something like, I, I, I did watch a, uh, at Fantastic Fest last year, a, a boat movie called The Boat. Yes. Uh, that's which, why we had to change the name of our movie. Actually. Oh, was it called The Boat? Ours was originally called The, uh, uh, the, the Boat Movie. <laughs> it was for like pretty much all through post, it was The Boat Movie. And then they came out before, so I'm like, shit, got to change that. And but like watching that, I go like, okay, I see a lot of carpenter in that. And is that a conscious choice, trying not to fall into reference and influence, or is it more about finding influence in things that are not obvious, like Seinfeld and Little Miss Sunshine? Yeah, personally, I hate being derivative. Uh, like I, I, I don't mind seeing nods when other people do them, but I usually, it's not like I'm actively trying to avoid it. I just like too many kinds of movies. I don't like just watching genre. I'll, Go and watch, you know, a, uh, like a Tarkovsky movie, and be just as equally enjoying <laughs> having a good time there. So I don't feel like my brain's trying to reference one thing or other. I feel like I'm trying to just do it all, and think maybe because of that. And I'm just coming to this conclusion myself now. This is all. <laughs> it's could, happening now. This could all be nonsense. Well, yeah. uh, oh, that's what we say yeah, every episode yeah. here. <laughs> this could all be nonsense. Yes. Yeah. But that's, yeah, I feel like maybe it's just because I'm trying to draw from so many places that it washes over and there's sure. not one single reference anymore. I have, I got no idea. That's a tough one. I'm going to have to think about that further. I mean, I could say for sure my first movie, which was a zombie movie on 16 millimeter, was definitely meant to be like a shout out to Romero. Uh huh. And then I think after that, I was just that I didn't have that anymore. <laughs> like I just didn't have that. Yeah, I don't think you can make a zombie movie and not have some kind of conversation with Romero. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's funny, like that. This is what we're talking about, right? So we um, we talked earlier with Travis Stevens uh, about his movie, which is the festival, uh, the girl on the third floor. Um, I think one of the things you know we were talking about there has been like 
you know, derivative works are are fine, and I think it's it's fine to be referential. But like, it is important to the future of the genre to go out and tell original stories in original ways, the best that you can. Yeah. Is that something that's at the forefront of your mind, or or do you just like I want to tell my story, and and that's kind of what the driving thing is? Uh, I wrestle with that a lot, and I get called out, I think, a lot, and that my stuff's probably not super commercial or like for a wide, broad audience. Uh, and I just, I've come to the point where it's like, there's so much content that's being able to be created. We're getting bothered with so much. If I don't just try to make something that I would personally dig, I'm going to fall flat on my face and then, and I'll be just upset that I wasn't doing it. And so maybe now going back to that, what my references are was less about movies and more about, uh, just the nature of friendship. One of the big things I did do right before I shot is I picked up a book called The Philosophy of Seinfeld. And it's just, yeah, yeah, I know the book. Yeah, and I it's, got it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's literally just talking about the nature of friendship. And that's kind of more of the stuff that I was digging into. So it's, yeah, it's less maybe about like, okay, what else can I uh, not use as like a reference, but it's more like, okay, here's what I'm focusing on. And that's maybe why it, it doesn't. How would you, how would you define friendship? Like, what do you, how do you think about it? Uh, probably the same way as the characters. It's comes in many forms. Well, so <laughs> knowing that you have a personal emotional connection to, uh, uh betrayal, mm. uh, you know, romantic betrayal, yeah. maybe kickstarts this film. Uh, and I, I feel like I know the character that that is in this movie, but then how do you formulate who the other two people on the boat are? How did you, you know, how did they come into existence? They're probably all versions of my personality at one point or another. I mean, if you don't know the, uh, uh, uh Richard character, or if you don't, if you're not like personally connected, but you, you understand that character, like the, the meathead, but I also actively made sure that he wasn't a numbskull. Like he talks very eloquently. He he's not stupid. He's just comes from a family of means and doesn't know when things aren't supposed to go his way. Sure. And there's even comes a time in the movie, you know, where I'm like, oh, I think I'm on his side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> even though yeah, I, at the beginning, I don't want to be, yeah. but I maybe I am. Yeah, it's I don't. Yeah, it's like I just feel like there's enough of the in all three of those characters that you can someone everyone who's watching should be able to relate to someone they know or know of. Uh. And to me, it's, yeah, it, they feel like just all splinters of my fractured personality on one way or another. So in going into production and leaning in again on the concept, uh, was there ever a point where you were like, uh, maybe that was a mistake? You know, like... Well, that's, isn't that like the entire process? Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, Fair it's enough. like, I'm gonna, we're going to screen it later and I'm going to walk out of the theater later. Maybe this was a big mistake. <laughs> a year and a half long mistake. Um, but I just, I, I just want to talk about the challenges of actually making the movie. Yes. So like, you're shooting in a confined space, right? And... Yep. You have to keep the shots interesting. You yep. have to keep them looking different. It can't just be one shot after one shot after one shot where everything's the fucking same. Yeah. Like, and again, the water. Like, I know the whole, you're not shooting on water the entire time, but there are big chunks of the movie in which you have a character bobbing in water, knocking yep. up at the boat. <laughs> I feel bad for those actors. Yeah. Well, they, the pitch to them was you get a week vacation in Belize. So. Yeah. Okay. I'll uh, join you on yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and Sold. That's what do what, I got to do? Exactly. And that's why, that's why after. 
after making, so we shot, uh, here's some good trivia for you, is the inside of the movie, the inside of the boat was shot in a set in the middle of Calgary, Alberta, in the middle of winter. Oh, wow. A freezing, freezing snowstorm in the middle of winter, and we were constantly just using space heaters to keep the place warm. <laughs> then the exteriors, we flew the crew down to Belize, and that's where we shot the exteriors of the boat. That's very kind of you. Yeah, exactly. So they got a little bit, they were like, they had to go through the shit first, and then we gave them the nice weather, and the pitch was always like, hey, you'll get a week in Belize at the end, and now I know why Adam Sandler seems to be shooting more and more movies in <laughs> tropical locations, <laughs> because that seems very smart in hindsight. Uh, but what was the biggest, like, you know what you're getting into, but what was the biggest surprise challenge of the entire experience? I hate to say it, but this movie went really, really? smooth. Really smooth. Even in, like, the biggest challenge was finding our... Um, tropical location we were first looking at off the coast of california uh we looked off uh the coast of mexico we looked at hawaii and we looked in fiji and then fiji the government actually turned us down (laughs) so apparently yeah you get a big tax break there it's like 60 percent, something crazy like across the board and then they have to read the script and they turned us down for moral on moral grounds what? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do they... Do they articulate why? Yeah, highlight? I, I think they're, they're just a very religious culture, and okay. they did not like people talking about screwing each other and murdering each other. Yeah, but all of that retribution seemed very biblical to me. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they all had it coming. Exactly. <laughs> this is what sinful people... This is what happens to sinful people. Right. They this should have been on board. great story. Yeah, they should have been on board. Well, it, it, it was weird. My producer, well, like, he went down a rabbit hole trying to get us there, and it looked like you we were going to go for it ages, and then when they turned us down, he's like, well... What happens if you get like a Marvel movie that wants to come here and shoot? And they're like, "Well, that's different." That's it's like, Marvel "What do you mean?" Movie. Wait, <laughs> what? Hey, now that's yeah. got Thor in it. Yeah, he's beautiful. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no real challenges aside from the logistics of getting to Belize. And you know, you land in Belize City, then we had to take a little puddle jumper to San Pedro, and then we rented out an entire uh, scuba diving resort to be our where location. And the boat was docked every night. I didn't personally have to deal with any of it, so the movie went smoothly to me. My producers, yeah, my producers, I think, had a hell of a time with that. But when you say that it went smoothly, I mean, like, what do you put that down to? What do you attribute that? Very good, uh, very good people supporting me. Um, This is the third project I've worked on with Mike and Kurt, uh, and their their boss, Lori, who's kind of the overseer of the whole company that financed the film. Uh, I think... There's enough trust that I won't f- fuck it up. Am I allowed to swear? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. For a yeah, great. Yes, please. Yeah, yeah, there's enough trust that I won't fuck it up, that they let me do my thing, and then they just cover my ass on the back end, and it seems like it's, uh, it's, it's worked out for us. Um, you know, you're only as good as your team. How do you make these partnerships? Uh, you know what? S- S- film festivals is 100% one of them, but without forcing it, because I find it's like, you know, you can't come here with the intention of being like, hey, I'm going to smooth these people. I've right. tried. Yeah, it doesn't work, it's right? It's embarrassing. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's pretty stressful and it, intimidating. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't, but it, does, it also feels like Weird. both people know what's going on. Right. So they, it's more about the getting to know each other, drinking, and maybe down the road. It's like, oh, what are you working on now? Oh, hey, how can I help? But my guys specifically, I went to... I got into this program in Toronto uh, called the Canadian Film Center, and they only take five directors each year. So it's kind of like our version of like the Sundance Labs, maybe. Oh, wow, wow, yeah. So I got in there, 
And uh, Mike Peterson, my producer, was one of the other directors in it because he directs his own stuff as well. He did a movie called Lloyd the Conqueror and just did Knuckleball last year with... Uh, oh, I love Knuckleball. Yes. Yeah, so I interviewed Michael Ironside about that film. That was a great little movie. Yeah, so he directed that. I edited that. And Shit, really? Yeah, yeah. I love Knuckleball. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so that's the thing. So he gets it too from my side. So he's, as a producer, he understands when to push and when to kind of leave you alone as well. So... Yeah, we got along there. We were the only two directors in that whole film lab that were like more into the genre side of stuff, and we weren't taken very seriously in the program, so we kind (laughs) of bonded over that. I love that. Yeah, and then, yeah, he went back to Calgary, I went back to Vancouver, and then we just kind of kept in touch about what each other was doing, and then I ended up, uh, he's like, hey, I've got my new company's looking for weird movies. And I was like, well, I've got this other strange one that's kind of about uh, violence in movies. And then that became Fake Blood, which was kind of like a meta fake documentary on our uh, filmmaker's responsibility in violence. And because we had such a good time making that, that kind of spawned into our current working relationship. So now with Harpoon and bringing it out to festivals like CFF, uh, what is your, your goal um, in, in presenting the movie to these first rounds of audiences. Yeah. Let's get real then for a moment here. And I've always, I do, I love saying this stuff out loud because it feels like part of my therapy. Uh, <laughs> you know, you make a movie and then you start submitting this movie and you start getting a whole bunch of rejections yeah. and then you start getting the self-loathing about like, Oh fuck, what, am, what if this doesn't get into anywhere? I've just wasted everyone's time and money. Uh, like I'm, I, I'm friends with Peter Kaplowski, who's been very supportive and like, hey, I, you know, it's maybe it's not right for TIFF, maybe it's not right for Fantastic, but have you considered all these places? And there was a time where I was like coming to him, like, hey, man, I don't know, this movie might go in the gutter. And he actually did say, he's like, I get it, man. He's like, it seems like sales agents are only interested in the top ten, top tier festivals. Right. That's how they make their decisions a lot of the time. Uh, and so there's like that nervous part for a long time. And then we just got lucky enough that Rotterdam on Christmas Day sent me an email saying, hey, we, we want to be your premiere. Congratulations, dude. Yeah, thank you. And so that's kind of what changed everything. And I hate that that's what it comes down to is that you're basically hoping for the Grand Slam home run sure. for a movie's success. But it does feel more and more that that's kind of just due to the overwhelming flood of the market, that that's kind of what the filter pattern is right now. Uh, unfortunately. And I don't like it. I don't know how else to get around that, uh, but we got lucky enough that that was the start. That got a whole bunch of other film festivals and people interested, and kind of that's been at least the kickoff for us, and that, you know, it helps our sales team present the movie because we got some Rotterdam cachet now, <laughs> and now, and now uh, Chattanooga cachet. So yeah, it's like, it's tough. It's a weird business. I don't quite understand it. <laughs> I have the heart for it. I'm not sure I have the stomach for it. Well, I that can tell aspect. you, we've we speak to a lot of independent filmmakers, and there is no answer. Yeah, right. There, everybody like, seems to be trying to figure it out. Everybody's yeah. trying to figure out. Everybody does it their own way, yeah. and everybody's stressed about it. Of course, mm-hmm. um, that's the common thread. Yeah. yeah, of like the indie filmmaker conversation is just stress and how to manage. It. Yeah, but how do you stay alcohol? In, Thank <laughs> through alcohol for sure, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think you know. I think y- you try not to dwell on it either. Uh, Absolutely, you have to build this weird shell, this weird shell, and then you have to kind of let the movie go because if you're, and I had like I'm 
probably I'm a really bad example. I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm, How dare you? I know. I, How am I going to tag this episode? I know. I might and, as well just throw this episode yeah, away. See, and that's the problem, though, <laughs> is that we actually have salespeople like, oh, you don't have any followers? And it's just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> like, there's no, I, I mean, the studies are out now. There's no, uh, there's, it's not even a guess anymore that like anxiety and depression has skyrocketed with the advent of social media. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's like, um, what's more important to me is my mental health with all of this and not being in direct line of sight of people saying bad shit about the stuff that I pour a year and a half of my life into. <laughs> so do you uh, remove, obviously you've removed yourself from the conversation from Facebook and Twitter and things yeah. like that, but like, Reaction to film wise, like, like, do you read reviews? Do you I, go to yeah, Letterboxd? I do nervously like, Google, yeah. um, I, <laughs> and then, then I and then I get upset with myself for doing such a narcissistic thing. Um, so I do, but then I'm trying to do it less and less. I'm trying to get to the point where, yeah, it's like you make it for yourself, and then you release it, and it's all about what the process was and how it meant to you, and then you release it, and then it becomes other people's things. It's tough not to. Not to try to keep track of that while I'm in this phase where it seems like the make or break may, might be a little hard, but it seems like I'm in that beginnings of the career where it's like, you know, this needs to do well enough that I'll be able to get an opportunity to do another one. Right. So there's a nervous energy with that. It's like, oh, shit, I hope this doesn't fall flat on its face so that I can't not make another movie. Uh, I'd love to get to a point where I, it was just didn't matter whether the movie was good or bad and I could just keep making crazy things. Um, but, but if yeah. you look at your career right now, you know, zombie, fake blood, uh, harpoon, they're all, uh, they're all floating around thriller, horror genre. Yeah. Is, is that your passion? Is, is that what you're going to be going into next? They all start as a drama and then somehow my grim sense of humor <laughs> bleeds very heavily in. I mean, I guess one one of the a good reference would be like Jeremy Solnier, where it's like, oh yeah, you know, it's like he's making dramas, but they're fucked not, up, yeah, they're fucking gnarly, <laughs> but they're not, yeah, yeah. He's going down a path that's not strictly a drama, yeah, yeah, uh, and all very different, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'd say I get bored with my shit. Like I said, I just I've watched my movie now once a week for a year and a half, and it's like now I'm sick of that. Now I want to either do a knee jerk reaction that's against that to try something different or. It all comes down to what I'm trying to explore. And so, like, this next one's very much same thing. I'm just more exploring. And it's back to friendship again. I've really got a problem with that. <laughs> friendship and betrayal. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I understand that. Maybe a group hug after the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's all good. I actually have a really tight social circle that's like of friends. And that's the thing. Maybe it's just because I'm... Uh, it's just not online. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But maybe it's because I'm trying to explore what would happen if that all blew up. I have no idea. It's very <laughs> bizarre. I don't know what's wrong with me. So... One of the, the subjects that we've been talking about with filmmakers uh, coming out of Chattanooga Film Festival was is is audience reception, and you know, with a roadshow presentation like this, where you bring it to festivals and putting it out there, uh, you also are going to do a Q and A. Yep. You're going to meet and greet with the people who watch it. Absolutely. Uh, what what? How important is it? to you to talk to the people who are consuming your film? Not like in a criticism kind of way, but just yeah, yeah. engagement-wise. I mean, you'd probably learn more if it was the criticism. If someone came up and be like, yo, I didn't like this movie because of this, I'd probably learn a lot more. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, the engagement, it, that's the... And I hate it because it's, again, it comes back to that validation. There is a validation to 
showing it to people, to hearing the reactions and to meeting them afterwards, and especially the ones that enjoy it. I don't like that it should be, that it, that's one of the end goals, but it is one of them, for sure. Um, I mean, it's the entertainment business, and then the whole goal is that whether they liked it or not, I hope I'm just giving, getting a reaction. It's nice to talk to the people that react to it. Um, do you differentiate between, I mean, I guess maybe, obviously as a person, you're like, yeah, if somebody comes up and is like, this movie fucking sucks, yeah. let me tell you why. I'd be like, you like, got balls. <laughs> like, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, is, is feedback the thing that you crave out of that? Or is it, is it like, what, like, what becomes valuable out of that exchange well, like, for you as a creator? Uh, is, are you making art for you? Are you making art to be consumed? Like, what is the relationship with audience? In my perfect world, I would make movies that never, no one ever had to see yeah. and somehow made money. I do not know how that could ever <laughs> possibly happen. There's a, another filmmaker here named Mickey Reese, and he's got Arrows of Outrageous uh, Fortune, I believe. It was screened yesterday. So he's made like 30 films. He's just churning them out Whoa. like crazy. And it, yeah. that's kind of like... The Cassavetes in me wants to be like, he's just making movies because he loves making movies. That's kind of like, the, should be the goal. It's, but it, you know, like I said, there has to be a level of uh, success tied to the film to get the next one off the ground. That's the question. Is How do you define the success of your movie? I don't, unfortunately. I can say how much it w is a success all I want, but it comes down to either the numbers, the budget getting making its way back, or just the word of mouth. I mean, for a while, I got to live off the coattails of uh, Mon Ami's, like festival run back in 2012 until, you know, that dies out and people have forgotten about that movie now. And so it's, you know, it's tough business. It's weird. Sorry if I'm getting weird on this. No, point. no. That's <laughs> no I, one, we I, want you to get weird. Yeah. Right. And I think that's the, I, I think I genuinely believe that, um, look, the movie's fucking rad. Thank okay. You. Like out and out, it's fucking rad. I loved it. If anybody asks me what movie have you seen at the Chattanooga Film Festival that you love, I shit you not. And we've had multiple. Yeah. Yours is the one that I go to. Thank you very much. Um, because it's a lot of fun to watch. This is the stuff that I think people find interesting. Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's the theme. Well, that it's like going everyone's going when it, and that's the thing is everyone has the tools to go out and shoot a movie now or, you know, write a book, all this stuff. And it's like, it seems like we're all asking the same questions about, okay, we make it, and then what? Well, right. yeah, to your point earlier, there are so many streaming services, there's yep. so many delivery systems right now, yeah. and yet it's still impossible to get your movie into that stream, like into that service. Or if you do, how you get eyes on it, it's, and, yeah. and all these, all of these, it seems like they're levels of uh, what people define as success or failure to that project. Right. It's, right. it's strange. It's a, it's, and I, I get it. Like before I made my first movies, like the thing that I probably learned the most from is like director commentaries and stuff like that. Cause that's where yeah, you actually get sure. people just being like, here's, here's all the bullshit that I, I had to go those. through. I know. Why does Netflix not just have like an audio button and you can just turn that shit on? I don't know. I, don't I know. Like it's... a whole streaming service dedicated to director's commentary. They I could know. charge whatever they want. I would subscribe. Absolutely. I Google them amazing. all the time or yeah. YouTube them yeah, all the time. I YouTube them now. Yeah. It's really weird. Uh, and, but thank God for those people that are putting them on YouTube. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes. Like yes. Darren Aronofsky for, um, what was the hell was it for? The Fountain. The Fountain. The, oh, my God. That commentary track is amazing. Movie. Yeah, but so the DVD company wouldn't include it. So the guy's like, forget it. I'll just release yeah, this on my own. And I was like, thank God. Yeah, yeah. And, well, I think there's also an art to those commentary tracks. And when DVDs became big business for, like, that brief window in time, yeah. you were like, you have to do a commentary track. But then you started to learn, like, I love John Carpenter. 
But John Carpenter on his own can't do a commentary <laughs> yeah. track. And he needs now Kurt you're Russell. watching this. Yeah, yeah. So there is an art to that, too. Yeah. But I think with all these various delivery systems, it becomes less and less about the behind-the-scenes yeah. aspects of, of the films which and, sucks. and the education side, which is so nice that Criterion Channel is now back up on the ground. Oh, man. Film truck I am be gone, avoid, but... actively avoiding signing up just because I know I'm going to go down a long rabbit hole as soon as I do. The I had a great tip from a fellow co-worker at FSR who told me not to create a queue. The moment you start to create a queue on any service, but on Criterion, you start to ignore that queue. Yeah, actually, that's true. I've got one on Netflix that I'm actively avoiding. So you just just start press and play on things. Uh, And I would recommend Criterion Channel. Oh, I'm going to. I'm going to in a big way. For my next project, my uh, Mike, my producer, has been recommending me a bunch of like movies, and all three of them happen to be on Criterion. I had never seen Friends of Eddie Coyle. Oh my God, so good. Oh man, Mitchum's the man in that movie. So good. But it's just like, that's, again, and that maybe that goes back to, you know, where's the the nugget of the idea? And I was like, I want the minutia of a crime story. And that movie's all about the minutia and the little details about, like, crime. Yeah, yeah, that's a great movie. I know. Well, now I'm excited about your next movie. (laughs) I'm working on it. Yeah. Working on it. I've got to finish that damn script. Uh, uh, So where do you find the energy to hit that page every day? I don't every day. That's for sure. I have to. Okay, so what what is your process? uh, I am a terrible writer in that I'll come up with the idea, but then I'll put it in my notes in my iPhone and then it'll sit in there for about a year or two. It'll sit in there for like a year or two until more stuff kind of gets together. I cannot write the story and like actually start typing it out until it's all together in my head. If I, every time that I've started to try to write something just based on the initial like concept and been excited about it, I'll hit like page 30 and it'll die. It just oh, that's goes, interesting. Yeah. I'm the exact opposite because I feel like if I plan something out too much, well, it's in my head and now I can't get it out on yeah. the page. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. I love how artists work. The absolute opposite. Yeah. Huh, the absolute huh, opposite. Huh, no. Huh. Every time I've tried, gotten excited about a new idea and started writing it too quickly, it dies. And I'm like, oh, I don't know where to go anymore. Huh. <laughs> and cool. so I usually, yeah, it's like two years. Dash, like the first draft of what was originally called the boat movie, uh, <laughs> Harpoon, I wrote that. I, th- I had been sitting on that idea in my head on one form or another for like two, three years. And then I told Mike about it. He's like, write that down. And I think a week later, I gave him a first draft. It comes out very quickly, very messily. And then I'll let him read it and he'll be be like, okay, have you thought about this? Have you thought about adjusting this? Michael Ironside actually gave us notes on... Um, oh, wow. yeah. Cool. yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And then I'll make my clean... I'll, the cleanup will take once I've gotten everyone else. Because what I don't like doing is getting so far along and then letting people read it. And then they start blowing my head up with ideas. And you've already baked committed. It. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I'd rather I rather get it when it's in a really shitty rough form, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and then I can at least then I at least. And I don't listen to like note by note, but I like the idea of just getting like the knee jerk broad strokes of what they're either clicking with or not, and I'll use that to find whittle it down into what it becomes. But it, that script probably took like three weeks. So how hard was it when they're like, you can't call it the boat movie? Uh, you know what? It is blessing in the skies because uh, we got this really killer review by. Sorry, I'm gonna have to. I'm looking it up. No, please do. No, do it. Uh, we as as critics, we want critics to be recognized. Yeah, by the uh, by, Gailey Dreadful, and they freaking. 
uh, nailed like 90%, not even 90, like what, like all the stuff that I was trying to go for in the subtext, they just were like, here's where they, this, this, this. And I was like, yes, they get the whole thing. It's, uh, that's where actually the validation comes uh-huh. from is if when you, people understand it. Yeah. If you haven't read Gailey Dreadful stuff, like go, go seek him out. It was guy, very yeah. insightful. Yeah. I follow him on Twitter, man. I like, I love his stuff. It's great. Yeah. It's amazing. No. And that's the thing is especially coming from like. Uh, the opposite end of that where we get a bad review but you can tell it's just broad strokes they really didn't consider a lot of the concepts they don't engage yeah, yeah. and so yeah it's like well of course you're not going to enjoy it if you're kicking back and not right. willing to and dive yet, in and that person contributes to your Rotten Tomato score I know which we then use As to, to validate, validate the, the entire movie. thing it all comes back to <laughs> validation <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's been our conversation. I've been right really now. angry about Rotten Tomatoes and the new Hellboy movie. I love the new Hellboy movie. Are they getting killed on Rotten they're Tomatoes? They're getting destroyed. Really? 15% right now. But they're getting, they shred a lot of movies, don't they? Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, the the thumbs up, thumbs down is, I think, a great system when, like, you're. Uh, when it's. When, when you're Roger and Ebert, Ebert yeah, and, yeah, and, but like you write the most insightful film criticism that people go to to refer to, versus going to like Rotten Tomato. Fuck Rotten yeah. Tomatoes just says like didn't like it, didn't like it. <laughs> but, no, but what is yes. what contributes to that fifteen yeah. percent? Like, is it a, a review that's negative but kind of mixed? Is it like we yeah. you don't actually have a conversation with the review itself. It yeah. sucks when people aren't engaging with the stuff that's in front of them. Because yeah. like, how do you like m- measure the review? And then like, especially as a fucking filmmaker, yeah. you know, it's gotta be the worst sort of annoyance to like have somebody say some casual remarks of like dismissiveness yeah. that are vested in like, I just didn't give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. No, we, this, this one particular review was like, this is what I would have done if, and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> And I was I like, stabbed that. I was like, oh face. my god! <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah, they're they're because there's a lot of literary references in Harpoon, Red yeah, 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 yeah. and stuff. Yeah, there is. And then uh, they're like, well, why didn't they? They actually said that like they obviously should have referenced Moby Dick, and we're like, what? What? <laughs> because we're on a boat? I don't understand. <laughs> and then they were like, and didn't like the chapter breaks, and I'm like, but that is a literary reference. Oh, yes. <laughs> hold on. I now want to talk about the movie yes. specifically. <laughs> right? Yeah. Let's yeah, let's, let's get, get into back this. Okay. Back into Harpoon. Okay. Narrator. Stop being in, in an existential no. crisis. Narrator. Yeah. The narrator. Yes. Where does that come from? Mr. Brett Gelman? Yeah. Uh, the original idea, the narrator was always in it. First draft of the movie, but it was a different narration, and it's gone through many iterations. The first actually draft of the narration was a verbatim conversation with a, a potential financier saying the movie's uncommercial, uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, so Ooh, the first, meta. the first, yeah. It. Tr- I tried to do a really tongue in cheek, uh, like opening about how making selling a movie like this is virtually impossible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and then that's where the boat movie came from because they said it's just a stupid movie on a boat. Interesting. So, how did that evolve then? That it was. It was actually I, Michael Ironside said, "You're." I fucking love this. He his 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 line was, "It's like the priest pissing on the altar." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> it definitely was like a fuck you to anyone that wasn't going to get into the movie. And it probably was too abrasive. Uh-huh. Uh, and so uh-huh. it pulled, I pulled, I dialed that way back. And then it just became, because the movie shifts tones a bunch. Yeah, it does. Uh, and the original narration was talking about how you could think you're in a love story and then it suddenly becomes a horror movie. Uh, and then that felt in the edit process too on the nose to the themes. You know, it, that, that, it was like, we, why are we telling people that? Let them figure that one out. And then it just kind of, 
it just evolved into what I decided was what I hate in movies, specifically friendships in movies. Hey, remember when we did this thing? It's like friends don't do that. They have shorthand. Friends don't bring up the stuff that's happened. So I was like, let's use this fucking omniscient narrator to be the guy that's like, we're going to lay out all their backstory so that when these people talk, they don't have to self-reference any of this stuff. And that was the, our in for all of it. My, I think this is my favorite moment in the movie, and I'll delete this if you want me to because it's a spoiler or whatever. But uh, okay. uh, it, it's not just the, the narrator commenting on the the characters, but like this idea of what not to do on a boat. Yes, when you're in a boat, oh, don't yeah, eat a yeah, banana. Yeah, that's a like that's that curses it. You don't want redheads on a boat. Like yeah. so, how how did that idea of this omniscient person who's aware of all the wrong things you should be doing on a boat and pointing out that these people yeah. are doing all the wrong things on this boat. Editing process, man. That was not in the script. Really? Yep. Yeah. The movie was uh, short. It's like 82, 83 minutes yeah. long. So without that chunk, it was actually getting a little dicey in the short end. I'm like, ah, oh, I need to fill something that also feels like a reset for five days later. And then we started kicking around ideas. And then all of a sudden I was like, because the very last minute, uh, Jonah's character was not named Jonah. Oh, yeah. And then I changed that like three days before shooting with Monroe's permission because Jonah's like a really bad name on a boat. Yeah. Like, Jonah's die all the yeah. time on boats. It's not good. Yeah. And, and then that was the end for me to be like, shit, I wonder what else we've done. And, and did you look up all the terrible things you could be doing on a boat? Like, is the bananas thing a real thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Shit. The Albatross one's legit. I know that's super, yeah. super. And that one was intentional. I did tell my production designer, Tim, fantastic production, because that inside the set is gorgeous. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and you, no one seems to be able to, like, until you tell it's like, maybe you can tell it's a set, but it's like, it's a very no. good set. <laughs> no, yeah. you really can't. Yeah, you can't. Um, but I did tell him, I was like, put as much, uh, like, bad omens in here as possible. Awesome. Amazing. And so, and he said after, he's like, so we did the albatross, and he's like, the second that fucking albatross got on the set, shit started going sideways. <laughs> so he was like, got super nervous. He's like, I fucking hate that albatross. Get that shit out of here. I'm like, it's not a real boat. And he's like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Put the bananas away. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, after we finished the movie, that's that's you know, like both of us loved it, but that we did talk a lot about like the use of the narrator effect because I think in a lot of times, like you're accustomed as a viewer to a movie where they engage a narrator, that that's sort of the reveal about who the ultimate protagonist is. Right? Yeah, I was the waiting for the narrator to be like like yeah. to pull up in a dinghy or something, mm. you know? Right. And then here's the story, but like omniscient narrator, like I'm fucking man. I love For it. Thank you. Well, we, there was, we knocked around ideas. Should it have been Richard's dad? I'm so glad you did it. I know, but yeah. that's the thing, but it, we, we got pushed hard by a yeah. bunch of people to do that, including Ironside. Really? Yeah. Yeah, he just, yeah, he wanted a connective tissue of that narrator. I'm like, ah, fuck it. I don't want it, man. It's like, <laughs> just give me this God like presence. <laughs> so, okay. I'm a fascinated by this Ironside thing. You have Ironside, I, you know, he's experienced so much in his career. He's done so many different types of movies. When do you go, I agree with you, Ironside, and no, you're wrong? I uh, don't have the balls to tell him he's wrong. So, <laughs> I, so when we had a conversation about it, I just, just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh -huh, uh -huh. Okay. And then we hung up, and that was, then he never heard of whether I took most of his <laughs> Good, good. Or not. Right. Yeah. Right. I'm very, very passive. Next time the, I talk to him, I will uh, ask him about it. Very passive. I don't, he may not even remember because like my in yeah. with him is through Mike, so I have no idea. Fascinating, love it. How he's going to feel about the final product? Uh, I, him and Mike, I think, are talking about doing another project together, which would be awesome. 
I can't wait. So for sure. Yeah, those guys are fun. All right. Uh, so I think we're at about minute 40 of our conversation. You tell me how long you want to go, man. I can do this forever. <laughs> Let's keep deep diving into the Let's standard. dig into it. Um, what was the biggest challenge? Have we dug into that? We have a little bit. A little we bit. Talked I mean, about we talked just about in making the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I, well, I, the one big, specific incident, maybe that like, the biggest challenge in making the movie is always money. I think it's like what's the common thread between all filmmakers? We don't have it. How'd you get your money? Uh, ours is through Seven Seven Five Media Corp, who is the same company that financed Fake Blood. And then I directed a movie that I did not write called Alive, and they gap financed that. I think just due to those two things, they just realized that I wasn't gonna try and piss, up. piss their money away. Well, I could definitely fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I mean, one, um, our other producer, Curtsy, was even like, he's like, man, I read the script. I was like, I don't know. Because <laughs> I, I, I believe that. I mean, I, I just, that's, it's a lot. It's a big ask of on a filmmaker yeah, to make this movie. For sure. And that's the thing. It's like, when the pitch is like, I just got three people talking on a boat for 80 minutes, it's like, fuck, who wants to watch uh, that? When I was told what it was and I was going to hit play, I was like, oh boy. Yeah, right? <laughs> I don't know if this is going to be fun. I know, exactly. Yeah. It's a tough sell. Yeah. I get it. Um, but like, it's, it's like, you know, I could watch Slacker like all day. I could yeah, watch it. I love, the, I love people. Uh, Cassavetes is like one of my all-time favorites. Seymour Cassell, rest in peace. Yeah. Uh, it's like... I just I like people interacting with one another. Maybe that's less to do. Maybe that's why I keep going back to the friendship stuff because you don't get any more personal interactions than people that know each other very very long time, and that's just that's the stuff that's more entertaining to me. And then it's like if I can add something crazy into that, then that's where it, that's where it seems to all blossom from. <laughs> I by the time so again no spoilers because I don't want to spoil anything about this movie, but like by the time you get to the end of the movie and you see the twist that you've taken, just fucking. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah, it's and that's uh, and I'm not going to say the names of the actors because that might ruin the spoiler here too. But it's like they all brought it really strongly. I had a wicked, wicked trio there. That was a, that was the big nervous part, right? It's like, are they going to? Well, and I imagine the casting of that. I mean, chemistry's got to be. It's right? crucial. Yeah. We and we, this is the first time that I've had the opportunity to actually. My, again, I'll leave it to Mike. He's like, I think you're going to want a rehearsal period in this one. And we actually had like three, four, four, four days for sure. I think for three or four days where we it was just us in the hotel in like a cornered off space, running through the entire movie day by day by day, and then rewriting as we went, making sure that their shorthand was correct. Uh, and that was also when I learned an interesting tidbit was just like, it's an actor thing, especially in dialogue, heavy scenes. Cause it is a stage play. Basically it's in two parts, uh, is that they have this nervous energy that if they're talking so much, they want to start being the Steve McQueen, start shaking the shotgun shells and moving around <laughs> and all this stuff. And I'm like, stop fucking moving. So like have the confidence that the words are like entertaining and what your, your interactions are entertaining enough and just sit. It's like, people don't move around like that. Stillness. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, you're on a boat. Like there's not that many places to walk around. I don't need three of you guys pacing on a 20 foot set. So, <laughs> so we, there wasn't that there's, it was an active decision to make sure that that's why there's when they're planted, they do not move if they do not have to and stuff. And that was a, what was thing. your shooting schedule? Uh, 16 days. Oh damn. Yeah, so I think we shot... 16 days, including the travel? Uh, no, 16 shooting days. Okay, okay. Yeah, so I think we shot... We did two weeks in... Um, 10 days, I think, in Calgary, and six days in Belize. Yeah, and there was like a four-day break in between that everyone flew out to Belize. 
Yeah. It's still not a lot of time. No, it's definitely yeah. not a lot yeah. of time. And the, we didn't even have like the boat set up until like a week before. Like when we started shooting the interior of the boat, which was already built as a set, we did not have the actual boat. And Holy you're, shit. again, you're telling me totally smooth. You didn't lose any sleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Everyone's like, oh, did you have fun? And the best way I can describe it is the host of the party never has fun. Mm, okay. You know? Oh, okay. It's like that like nervous that. energy. You're constantly just like, just don't let anything fuck up. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's kind of what it feels like when you're on set. And so it's like, at the time, it's not very enjoyable. In hindsight, you look back, you're like, oh, sh- thank God I didn't blow it, I guess. <laughs> so I think that's actually a really good segue to, I think, the final question for Hit the me. interview. Um you know, we've been very blessed to talk with a lot of independent filmmakers uh, about their processes of making movies. And we talked about this a little bit already. I think the common through line is that it's just really fucking hard to make a movie. Yeah. Um, and when you're telling personal stories and you're investing yourself in them heavily, when things don't go right, I think it's really easy to feel just extremely low about yeah. what's going on. Um, so I was wondering if you could give us uh, an example of, say, a specific moment that you look back at um, when you are feeling low that says to you, you know, suck it up and move forward. Yeah. I mean, it feels to me like the constant reminder is always like, it's about the process. Because you said, like you said, it's really fucking hard. So why are we doing this? If we don't love it, if we don't have some innate desire when we wake up every morning to just keep doing this. It's and like no why Instagram account or Twitter yeah. feed to tell you you're great. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, <laughs> so yeah, you have to wake up and be like, is this what I want to be doing? Is there something inside of me that tells me that I have to be making this or telling this or doing this? And that, I think, is what I always try to bring it back to is it's about that process. Is what am I trying to get out for myself? Because at the end of the day, we could all make something really cool and then other people it will not connect with. And it's going to happen. And like, I, that's, I shoot shit on the weekends still when I'm bored. And I've had a movie that I've been working on for like three years on weekends that's a completely improvised and probably will never see the light of day. But I am enjoying the process of it. And, you know, I hope regardless if when it gets done, if other people enjoy it, that's great. But I, yeah, it, it, that validation can't be what drives me to wake up in the morning, get on set, slog through all the possible problems that can fucking happen, which they always do, and then spend another year in the edit room staring at the same thing. Like, there has to be something beyond the hopeful validation at the end. So, Rob, for our listeners who want to seek out Harpoon, where can we point them to? You're not on Twitter or on Instagram. But Yellow Veil, our sales team is, and they're fucking awesome they're great man they're so good they're brand new like they uh, like wicked track record starting out of the jumping out of the gate they got another movie here with i trap the devil yeah they do um yeah they've been amazing they're the people that are actively sorting out how to get it out there it's not we're not like in any position yet to say when the release is but they're working on a bunch of stuff to have, make sure uh, that there's more festivals coming. Well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Is there, yeah. Do you have more festivals scheduled I, right now? I do, but I don't think I'm allowed to say them. Gotcha. So <laughs> for our listeners, yeah. uh, Billy and Brad loved Harpoon. It's our favorite festival. Can I say our favorite film of the festival? Yes. Oh, thank okay. you very it's, much. It our really favorite is. film of the like, no, GFF. Really. And uh, 
check your local listing. Yeah. Check your local film festival. Follow Yellow Veil. Vale. Yeah. yeah. Follow Yellow <laughs> so, Vale. Number one, I'll say this. Yellow Veil vale is on Twitter and they yes. are on Facebook. And yeah. all you gotta do is go search Yellow Veil vale Pictures and um like they're they're ta- like you're spot on, dude. Their taste is amazing. Yeah. Um look at what they're doing and fucking stay tuned to them, man, because anything I think that they point the finger at right now in yeah. terms of like this is what we're proud of. Yeah, I think it's worth looking at. Yeah, I'm I've been harassing them to see lose for, for oh ages. I, I miss lose at Fantastic fest last year and i'm crushed Greg, Greg, everyone Greg, said it's the best movie i know i want to see it so bad i just that and that's the, maybe that's what it comes back to is like from what i haven't seen it yet i'm waiting i'm waiting because i dare like oh we'll send you a link and i was like no i want to see it in the proper setting is that feels to me like the energy that we should all be striving for it's like this yeah. guy's thesis film out of school it's just yeah. this raw energy and i'm just like that's what it feels like it should be about right yeah 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 <laughs> i said fantastic fest i meant sunday rob thank you so much for joining us we thank really, you really appreciate me. it and we're excited for harpoon and we're excited for whatever you do next including whatever you're shooting on the weekend thank yeah, you yeah man i'll give you my email address when we're done so okay. if you want like some uh, beta watchers like <laughs> yep. fucking hit me <laughs> absolutely up, anything you're doing man i want to look at I'm Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, no, that and that's the thing. Now, now that I'm off Facebook, it's like emails and text t- text messages become my like go to for sure. Yeah. I don't know how you're doing it, but congratulations on getting offline. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> appreciate <laughs> it. All right, uh, so that'll do it. Take care. Until next time. Have a good one. And there you have it. I think that conversation went well. Not only. Yes, it went well. Yeah. <laughs> nod, Billy. Just nod. <laughs> um, now, you should be checking your local festivals. Uh, be on the lookout for Harpoon. This is a film you do not want to miss. It's an incredibly tense thriller that goes places and is also pretty damn funny. It is blackly comedic. And I, I just, man, I laughed my ass off the entire time I was watching this movie. I fucking love it. So, Billy... Where can our listeners find you online? Do you still do online chatter? Are you are you on the onlines? Uh, sometimes I'm on the social meets. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at WBDAS on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Uh, I'm on Twitter more than any of those other things these days. I'm also doing a podcast project with my daughter called Bill and Claire's Excellent Adventures as we work to expand her cinematic horizons. Uh, we just covered a League of Their Own, and that was uh, the last movie in kind of a sports run that we'd been doing, and we're moving on to a whole different topic, so tune in and check that out. And follow our other dorks, Lisa Gullickson, the wife dork, at Sidewalk Siren on all social medias. Follow Brian Young at The Turtle Dork on Twitter. Find him other places. I know Billy knows the handles, but I'm not even going to let him say what those other handles are, Billy. I'm thinking them so loud right now. Yep, be quiet. Follow Darren Smith at The Disco Dork on all social medias. And I am Brad Gullickson at Mouth Dork. Please come back next week, even though I have no idea who the guest is going to be. We have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies. That sounds dirty, but it's true. Uh, there's a really cool conversation on the horizon that may or may not happen, but I, I have a good feeling that it will. We've got some exciting things. Yeah, we, we actually have several really juicy potential chats in the future. Yeah. I like the way I say juicy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Until next time, guys. <laughs> Take care. Visions are worth fighting for. Why spend your life making someone else's dreams? <laughs>